welcome to the Women With Fire podcast. I am Michelle Gifford. I am Sarah Allred. God is calling women around the world to stand up and make a difference. We call this your quest. God needs you. Learn from other women who are navigating their own quests. And through this podcast, light that fire as you embark upon your own. Let's do this. Hey you, this is Sarah Allred, your host for today's interview with Michelle from Scenes from the Wild. Here's the deal. We learned so much from Michelle that we had to split this interview into two parts. And this episode that you're listening to is part two of this interview with Michelle. So if you haven't listened to part one, you are missing out. Go back two episodes so that you can hear the very first part of Michelle's interview from Scenes from the Wild. Then come back here and listen to part two. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy. So here is a, a tougher question, one that I didn't prepare you for. Okay. That this particular listener um, wants your opinion on her own challenges as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How would you parent her as, as if she was one of your kids? As someone who has had challenges with changes, and this is rather ironic that I ask you today because a policy just changed today within the yeah. church, <laughs> and this was submitted before then, <laughs> okay? So the, today the, the church did announce that the policy has changed, that um, children of parents that are gay or homosexual, that they may be baptized and receive blessings. And you can read all about it on the Desert News and the church newsroom, churchnews.com, all that stuff. But she has had some real challenges where she feels like her standing and testimony of the church is just fluctuates a lot where a policy comes out and all of a sudden she's angry and she's distant and she doesn't understand it. And how can this be revelation? And then incredible things happen where 12 temples are announced at the last conference and she is on board and she wants to be on the front lines and she's ready to go. And then something else happens in the hallway of church and she's down and it just feels very like the smallest thing can throw her in different directions. And she's, she just wants to feel like a constant needed member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, even with all of these changes that happen for her. What would you, what, what advice would you give her to help her feel like more of a constant needed member? I love that question. I think that's really interesting. I think first of all, our faith has to be nurtured individually. First of all, I mean, prayer, scripture reading. Let me share this with you. I've also added meditation or just real listening time to my prayers. So, and I think this is going to be really powerful. So one of the things I do when I pray is I have a prayer book, right? And in it is written down, of course, the names of my family and my friends, but it's also like random people I heard over the pulpit. Like there's a little boy named Batito who lives in Guatemala who I pray for because I know he needed eye surgery, right? So it's random people. It's, it's a lot of names. <laughs> it's a lot of names and it's also things I am looking for in my life. And it will also include things like it's my sister's birthday next week. What can I do to make that special, right? So it can be super trivial things. So I have these prayers and I try to spend time, every name and at least picture their face. Every kid I've ever taught in Sunday school is on that list and they know it. And I like to embarrass them and mention it. Of people, right? If you would like to read it, that's yes. fine. <laughs> so, all, everyone is on that list. And then I set my timer after I pray and I sit peacefully. And the only words I say to myself are listen. And I listen for five minutes. And I do think sometimes that's something we forget to do in our prayers is to sit back and listen. And for me, I have to set a timer. And five minutes is not very ambitious, people. Like, you know, I'm sure <laughs> there are a lot of people who could do it for 20 minutes, but I listen. And that has brought me more spiritual power, that listening. And then I find that that has helped me listen more during the day. 
And that strength that I get, and if I read my scriptures every day too, I mean, those are non-negotiables. There are lots of things I don't get done. Lots and lots. I don't always make dinner. Come on. But <laughs> scriptures, prayer, listening, those always happen. And those help me so that those give me such firm roots that all of the other stuff that goes on doesn't sway me very much. Now, I'm going to tell you this straight up. This has been a huge struggle of mine that I haven't talked about on my blog, but maybe your listener needs to know this. I often have felt very insecure in my ward. They, I'm the only person who comes from a convert family. They are all, they've all been in the church for generations. I've had years and years where I didn't have a calling in my ward because it's one of those like overstocked wards. Like it's so different from the rest of the church. Like we don't have enough callings to go around in my ward. So I've often felt not needed, but I know the Lord still needs me in his kingdom. So I have often had to separate myself from what is happening in church and my own spirituality. And then of course, so there's kind of like church as in the whole organization and our ward and my own spirituality. And I think we're going to struggle with some of those areas. But if we can keep our own spirituality rock solid, rock solid, like my faith in Jesus Christ is so deep, then what might be going on in our ward or the policy announcements, those are not going to sway us. And another thing with those is if she's wrestling, the wrestle is good. We know this, like wrestling with questions is good. And we might, in fact, my daughter texted me my 15 year old. And she's like, I'm so excited about the policy announcements, but my friends aren't as excited. What's going on? And I said, well, it's because um, we discuss this at home all the time and we discuss it all the time. And we have, it's discussed all the time. It's okay for my kids to say, I don't get this. I don't understand it. We look for understanding and we continue forward in faith. Wow. I hope that wasn't right. <laughs> this is not trite. And what it really is, is you're encouraging her to find the 1%. That yes. Can that listening, can that five minutes change yeah. the volatility of her faith? Yes. 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 And, and you know why that works? Because I know God cares about me. And so all the other stuff I can handle because I know he's talking to me because you know what? I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. And that's so exciting. And he's offering that to every single one of us. Every single one, including that listener. Well, he wants us to listen. He does. And he has, he has marvelous things to tell each one of us if we listen. So you probably are loving President Nelson's message of revelation. You now, it's waiting for you. Go after it. It's critically important. Are you just so on board with his push oh, that way that. to members? <laughs> Yes. Yes. I love it. It is wonderful. It's so exciting time, isn't it? It's just exciting. I mean, vitamin pills, people. Yeah. I love it. So tell me. And we're talking before general conference. I mean, what is going to happen in general conference? Ah, that's true. You know, the, the Latter-day Saint rumor mill is up and up and thriving in, in its greatness. Don't you worry. But you're right. We are recording this right before general conference. So I hope there are answers and exciting things and we are behind it. We are so excited. I really love your your approach in the 1% because sometimes I think as a woman, I feel like the overhaul is necessary. You know, I get something in my brain, I'm going to eat healthy. Therefore, my whole fridge gets dumped and I buy a new cookbook and it's this huge, massive overhaul, you know, kind of a thing. And you're kind of like, don't drink the Diet Pepsi. Take it away. For sure. The one percent people. A little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. Yeah. I love this. I love We've the power. We've got to stop beating ourselves up. Just beating ourselves up does no good. A lot of the time, our negativity comes from feeling bad about being negative. Duh. Just if you're feeling negative, just oh well. But oh, don't God. feel bad about it. <laughs> like, stop. We we've got to stop beating ourselves up. We really do. Now, there is a rumor flying around that, that maybe these whole millennials that are out right now, these teenagers and young adults, 
are kind of a disaster waiting to happen. And, and they're going to just be the fall of all mankind. And let's get really dramatic, right? And I say this, and I wish you could see Michelle's face because her mouth is wide open. She is appalled at the words. <laughs> That are coming across. No, I so disagree with that. <laughs> I so know. And I wanted it to give a dramatic entry because this was the original reason I wanted to reach out to you because you are a game changer with teenagers. You firmly believe they are the greatest and the greatest they tool. Are. <laughs> they are. Oh my goodness. Yes. We have got to stop being so rude about teenagers. They are amazing. I talk to teenagers all the time and their hearts are so good and they are working so hard and are some of them mixed up in a lot of garbage with all this social media? Yeah, but I'm going to tell you, most of that is parents' fault. We need to get on this. And a lot of it is, this is so new. They're just figuring it out. But, oh, I have so much faith in the teenagers of today. So let me ask you then, so the blog post we're going, going to post for people to get started is how to ruin your relationship with your teenager, part one and part two. We're also going to tell them to read Raising Real Men, Kindness Isn't for Sissies, and why your teenager might actually be happier without a smartphone. These are critical reads for our listeners um, at scenesfromthewild.net. So what do you say... Why does the opinion exist today that teenagers are going to be the fall of the world, basically? Okay. All right. So that is an opinion that has always existed. People have always been hard on teenagers. And yet we have this world where we have a social construct where we all know their brains haven't developed, right? We all know they've got all these hormone fluctuations. And yet we're asking them to make huge decisions for the rest of their life. We've convinced them that every grade matters, and yet the teachers won't even give them a bathroom pass. It's kind of ridiculous, the world we've set up for them. And so many people look down on teenagers because they just aren't giving them a chance. And I believe we can teach them so many skills that will make them better than all of us. I truly believe that. They are going to be so much better than us. They're going to be so much cooler than us. Why? Can, why? Because for one thing, teenagers are open to learning. They really are. Like they act like they're not, but they are open. And they all, I have never talked to a teen that doesn't want to improve their life, that doesn't want to find new ways to do things better. They might not want to do an entire workbook on it, but they all want ideas that will change their life. And I feel like as we learn more, they're listening and they have the capacity to do so many things. It, you know, at church, they're always talking about read your scriptures. I'll tell you what, these teenagers are reading their scriptures. They more really than are. any of us ever did. Oh, for sure. I, I don't even know how many times they've read the Book of Mormon. And, you know, my kids at school, their friends that are not members are constantly asking them about these things. I feel like, I feel like there's a huge spiritual awakening going on. I really do. And I think you've probably seen there's this huge like self-improvement thing happening, right? Yes. And it feels almost like a spiritual revival. If you watch like Rachel Hollis, like the people that go to her things, and I think she's so cool. The people that go to her things, it's almost like a preacher, and she is religious. But I feel like all of the self-improvement is preparing people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, because everything in self-improvement follows the gospel. And this new venture that we have going, Build Your Teenager, it is about self-improvement. It's about it's about using your brain to conquer problems. It's life coaching. It's positive psychology. But there is not one thing in there that doesn't ring true with the gospel. And that's what I love. I love that we're getting all these studies from neuroscientists. And we look at that and go, yep, learned that in primary. Pretty cool. It all works together. And I feel like it is so cool. And I think teenagers are ready to listen. I really do. I think they're ready to listen. I think they are ready to change the world and I know they're going to do it. 
they, they are going to usher in the millennium. They really are. Oh man, it makes me look at my nine-year-old so differently. She's the greatest. She's going to be part of this. And what, what would you say to maybe someone who is wishing they felt that way about the teenager in the next room that they are raising right now, that, that maybe, maybe they have missed that mark with how awesome that teenager is in the other room. How can they start? Like today, Michelle, they turn off this podcast. How can they start with that teen to feel differently, to change? Because we believe in change. How do they change? Okay. The first thing you could do is sit down and make a list of everything great about that teenager. Because if you're their parent, you're going to know a lot of good things about them that nobody else knows. And maybe like make that list as if you were defending them to somebody. And you know, this is off the top of my head. You didn't prepare me for this. I would make a list. I'd make a list of everything great about them. And then I would sit back and think about what kind of parent you want to be. And I would come up with just three words. Three words, and then this is fun. I really love the whole idea of making your phone your slave, right? So I take, <laughs> this is, you go to your phone. This is pretty simple, but pretty cool. You go to your phone and you go to the alarms, right? Do you set alarms for yourself? Oh, yes. And you go to your alarms, and you know, you can put in three words with any alarm. So you set alarms and you put in those three words. Here I am, like pretending I have a phone here. <laughs> You you put those three words and set it at random times throughout the day. So like kind of right when you're getting your kids ready to go to school, that alarm's going to go off and it's going to say like, loving, courageous, kind. I'm just making this up as I go. And you're going to remember, that's the kind of parent I want to be. And that is going to help you treat your kid differently and see your kid differently. And kids, oh, here's the great thing about teenagers. So I mean, they might act like you're stupid and lame, right? But <laughs> that's the rumor. They, that's the rumor, I tell you. But you know how your four year old, you have some little kids, right? I do. Nine, five, two, and a newborn. <laughs> Especially like the five year old thinks you are perfect. You're so pretty. You're so wonderful. I want to go everywhere with you. I'm going to do everything with you. Okay, your teenagers actually kind of feel the same way. Like they don't really want to dress like you anymore but they still, it's biological and it's, it's biological. It's uh, neurological. <laughs> <laughs> All those big words. They yes. Create <laughs> that connection with you. I, have you ever talked to an adult who doesn't care about how their parents felt about them? I don't care if their parent is in prison. They want right. to feel like they're, they are loved by their parents. Every teenager They want that love and we can use that, right? They want to feel connected to you. They love you. And if you just open up that pathway, those kids will respond. They want your love and they will accept it. Wow. I love that your approach is all about changing the parent (laughs) and not about (laughs) here, here is what the teen needs to be doing for three hours a day. I mean, that is so you that the change is going to come in the parent. Well, what, who can we change? Ourselves, right? It makes can, sense, but we've missed the boat on that, I think. <laughs> right? We can really only change ourselves. I, I have yet to meet a teen that doesn't want to be better and that doesn't want to learn and grow. I haven't met one yet. I really haven't. We, we call, in our family, we call them seekers. We just think they will change the world because they are seekers. And it's the greatest thing. Yes. So why are you, you've obviously got a project going on. Build Your Teenager, you're on Instagram, that's your handle, as well as your website, and we'll link it on the show notes. Why why are you so passionate about this? Um, So one of the articles that you mentioned, the how to ruin your relationship with your teenager. Yeah. That one just, I published it on my blog and it kind of went crazy and got 5 million views. And suddenly everyone thought I was the expert, right? And, and it's an awesome article. I will stand behind it. It is. But I had um, 
I suddenly had publishers coming after me and, you know, radio things and things like that. And I sat down to write that book and I spent about nine months writing it. And then I had a really terrible month as a parent. And that's right when I got a publisher. It's pretty funny. (laughs) Of course. And this might be the wrong answer, but I realized I had a lot more to learn. So I dove in and I learned I learned, it's the same things that I've been talking about on my blog forever, but I learned a lot of tools of how to solve more problems. And I am so excited about those tools that I've learned that I just want to share them with everybody. And if you read my blog, you know that I just decided not to write the book. I got too afraid of the haters. I was too afraid of what people would say about me or my family. And you know, at one point last year, after I decided to give it up, I woke up in the middle of the night and I had this thought of, you do not have the right to hold back what you know. And I think that's pure revelation. Like, I do know a lot about raising happy teenagers. Own it. I would love to help people. And a lot of what I'm saying to you is new because I have held back a lot on my blog. I have been holding back. I have been playing small for so many years. And I am just ready to tell people the truth. And I'm ready for the haters. Isn't that funny? Like I am finally ready for the haters because you know what? We have had four suicides at our high school this year. And I do not want to see one more. I just don't want to see one more. And I know suicide is a very complex issue. And, but I do feel like a lot of the ideas I have to offer can literally save lives. And if I can save just one life, then putting myself out there and being embarrassed and stumbling over my words and probably getting some hate mail because there's always hate mail, you know, Mm. that is worth it because I don't have the right to hold back. If I can help one person, I just don't have the right anymore. Wow. And what, what has changed in you? Has it been these events in your community? Because your book project, you know, you got some rejection letters same day. You thought you were going to have two publishers that were going to grab it and everything. And it didn't end up working out. Has that been the big change is just what you've seen within your own community that's allowed you to say, you know what? Reject me, make fun of me. I don't take myself seriously anyway. That's one of our things. I'm ready to do this. Has that been the great change? I'd say it's been more of an internal change. And I'm actually so glad now that I got those rejection letters. So, so glad because I did not know enough then. Oh, wow. I had you know, we've always been pretty into positive psychology at our house and you'll find lots of blog posts about that. But I had not, I think I had some thoughts of like, I already know this stuff. And that is one of the most dangerous thoughts we can have, right? <laughs> right. When we, think, when we think, oh, I already know this stuff, we're being stupid. And if, if I ever start to think that I know it all, I'm just being really stupid. And I think that's what I was doing. I was starting to think I already know this stuff. But now that I have done more searching, I have found some of the best tools for helping parents and helping teens. I just can't wait to share them. I really can't. I also had issues, and you probably know this, of going into business. We feel so strongly as Latter-day Saint women that like, we are volunteers. We do all of this for free. And I do have a very comfortable lifestyle. And so I felt like I need to give it all away. But I realized if I make this a business, I can serve more because then I can, you know, use some of these cool platforms. I mean, I've spent a whole lot of money the last few months setting up a business. Yes. But that business is going to be able to serve people in a much better way than me just prattling along, doing it for free. When I'm Here's the thing. People value what they pay for and they equate value with money. And I had a lot of pride and I'll still never put ads on scenes from the wild. I had a lot of pride about I'll never have ads on that site. But what 
readers didn't realize is I had people offering to advertise all the time. They were always, you know, shoving things at me. But readers, when they see that there's money behind something, they see more value. And when they pay for something, they apply it to their lives. And I finally overcome some of those issues. So you know who Russell Brunson is of ClickFunnels, right? I sure do. Yes. Yeah. He's pretty awesome. And it's so fun that he's also a member of our church. Yes. Little Um, Idaho boy. (laughs) So cute. So cute. Anyway, he has the story where he talks about a program that he had that was $25,000 for people to come to this conference. Have you heard this story? I have, you've got to share this. This is critical. It's critical. And especially for business. So these people were paying $25,000 to come to this conference. And he told a few family and friends that they could come for free. Just, you know, generous heart. We all understand that. Of the people who paid $25,000, a hundred percent of them went on and made that money back 10 times over. I think it was, they all hit a million dollars, I think. Right. I maybe wrong. Mm-hmm. Of the people who went for free, 0%. I love this. None of them were able to apply it. And what I realized is that if I charge, and uh, trust me, there's going to be nothing for $25,000. <laughs> listeners were like, no. Ever. No, it, it's always going to remain 90% of what I offer will be free. 10% will be paid. But for the people who pay, they're going to get so much value. They're going to get a million dollars worth of value. And the fact that they're paying will help them apply that to them, their lives. And I've learned this as a photographer. I'm sure you have too. I've done so many jobs for free, so many jobs. And sometimes those people don't even print it up and put it on their walls. And it's so sad because I have created these beautiful images for them. I would say the people who have been the happiest with my work are the people who paid the most every time, every time. The people that you're like, oh, do I really dare charge this much? They are the ones that are the happiest with it. We value what we pay for. And as women in the church of Jesus Christ, we need to get that through our heads that we can charge for our services. We have a right to do that. And it's not so that we can go to France. It's super fun to go to France, but <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> not that we can go to France. It's so that people will get value out of what we offer. Oh, amen, amen, amen. And the reality is this is a spiritual principle. Those who fight and wrestle and work for testimonies and truth, get them. Yes, yes. And I say this with 86 followers on Instagram and I haven't made a dollar. So, you know, but you know, I know it's true. So it's foundational. It is so foundational. Now, I know that you have, you're just at the beginning part of launching this and building this. How can our listeners get involved? What can they expect? Time frame? Give us kind of a rundown because they're all going to want it, clearly. I'll be first in line with all of my sisters. What can we expect from Build Your Teenager? Oh, you're so cute. Okay, so the website is up. And it's right awesome. Now. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm still working through a few bugs. You know, I love building websites. I just love technical. <laughs> challenges. Um, <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> no, I actually do. I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh, you do. Oh my word. I, I love technology. I love solving problems. That's probably why I love teenagers, right? There you go. There's your quest, solving problems. <laughs> we are working on a podcast. We've got our first three ready to go. I yes. look at your podcast. I'm like, how have you done this? But we're, So I'm doing it with my husband, which, which is also an adventure. And Oh, let me be straight up honest. Cause I love to be straight up honest. Like I am so excited to do it with him because this is, he's always been into this positive psychology stuff and cool. he loves it, but there are real challenges in starting a business with your spouse. And I, I think it's been really good for us. We've already had to have some really like straight up conversations and that's been really good. He's threatened to quit. I've threatened to quit. Right. <laughs> yes. We're going to do this together because it's parenting and we need two of us and there are not enough men out there speaking on these subjects. 
Wonderful. So the podcast is launching hopefully by the time you put up this interview. Yes. yes. We've got the website. There's individual coaching available right now. And we're going to put out a six-week parenting course starting in June. And it is so full of awesome stuff. And it's and then, not live, right? They can take it online. They can be anywhere in the world. Yes, anywhere in the world. It also will have, you know, Q&A. It'll have live coaching. But they will, it'll be recorded. I'm using Kajabi. It's a really great Fantastic. platform. And there's also another course, and I would love any suggestions from listeners on the name of this. It's all about habits and addictions. It's alcohol, pornography, drugs, gaming, you know, all those bad habits that steal our time, negative coping skills. And I'm working with my friend who's a therapist on that. And oh, all right. Oh, our ideas are straight fire. I mean, we have well, we have all of her education and all of mine, and we have so many good things. We're really, really excited about that. And then, oh, really soon I'm coming out with a mini course on how to stop worrying. And that's free. Whoa. I'll pay. I will pay. <laughs> no, I'm a worrier. You don't have to pay. It's free because, yeah. <laughs> And I'm excited about that one. So Wow. So you've got big dreams. I mean, you are playing big now, Michelle. You are playing big. I love this. I'm going to stop hiding. I'm going to stop hiding. And we have so many ideas that right now we're in this stage of like, we just want to throw out a hundred podcasts at once, but you know, gotta chill. Gotta chill. So. Oh, and that's one of your tips with teenagers. FYI. Spoiler. Chill. Oh, that is the tip. That is the tip to be chill. Yes. Oh, I just let my heart is just exploding with a thousand possibilities of what is going to come of this. So everyone, you've got to connect with her both on her blog, scenesfromthewild.net, as well as Build Your Teenager. They're on Instagram as well as their website. It's all linked in the show notes for sure. I, I have two more questions for you and I know I've kept you over what I said I would, but I can't let you go until I ask you these two questions because I just value what comes out of your mouth so much. And I want to know, the first thing is, what do you do when you are just worried sick about one of your kids? Okay. And I will say that is really what got me on this journey of learning more is worrying. I was such a worrier. And I think that some of us have this idea. Ah, You're good. That's my alarm. One of my like generous, enthusiastic, courageous. Okay. Oh my that's gosh. Can we keep that on the podcast? Her alarm just went off. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You're living what you preach. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I worried a lot. And I think that sometimes we think that we have to worry. Like if we're a good parent, that is like, that's a good parent thing to do and it's a righteous thing to do and we should worry. And we might kind of look at parents who we have that idea of that negligent parent who doesn't worry at all. Right. I am going to tell you to stop worrying, but not as negligent parent. Here's the problem with worry. Worry is an indulgent emotion. So when you think indulgent, it's like ice cream, right? It's not that worry is fun, like eating ice cream. <laughs> sure. But this is what worrying is for your brain. It's like eating nothing but ice cream all day long, right? And what does ice cream do to you? Like, it's great. And if you're naturally skinny, you're still going to get slow. You might not get fat, but you'll get slow. And that is what worry does to our brain. It slows us down. You know why? Because when you're worrying, you're not problem solving. Mm. Now, your brain... Your brain has like 40 to 60,000 thoughts a day, okay? Got all this stuff running through it. Now, when you're worrying, that can become all-consuming, right? I have been one of those people that, you know, you wake up at two in the morning and you're just worried, worried, worried. But what's happening is your brain is spending all that time out in worry and it's not solving the problem. So if you can switch your brain to when you're worried about a child, to solving the problem and then moving on, A, you're going to be so much happier. 
and B, you're going to be such a better parent. Uh, here, here's an example that might kind of work. Um, so I run early in the morning, right? Before the sun goes up. And Eric was saying, my husband, that he used to worry about that. And he would lose sleep. The same way we used to lose sleep over our kids. I'm trying to go with something really simple. Sure. But he realized I always wear a reflective vest when I run. I am a very safe runner. And I always go with a friend when I go that early. So, and so he'd go back to sleep. Now that is what we can do as parents. We feel like, oh, it's our job to worry. No, it's our job to teach our kids to wear a reflective vest and to go with a friend and to be aware of traffic. And then we have to let it go and get some sleep because I'm guessing if you're anything like me, when you're worrying, one of the things you're losing is sleep. Another thing that, uh, here's another analogy. I could talk about worry all day long because I've spent so much time oh thinking about it. I'm dying for your class. I'm dying. This oh, is wonderful. It's going to be really good. So actually, so this is one day that I was deciding. So this is something we can do. We have these amazing brains, right? I mean, our brain is better than any technology on earth. It's like 600 iPhones, right? And yet so many of us are using our brains like, like a grocery list. Come on. Our brains are better than that. And this is what I love doing with my brain. I love giving it a problem and letting it solve it. Now, try this. And I'm sure you've done it before. But do it just consciously. Give your brain a problem and then just let your brain work on it. So the other day, I said to my brain, I need a good analogy for parents and worrying, right? And I just let my brain work on it. I went on with my day. But if I were worrying, it wouldn't have happened, okay? I'm getting a little weird here. And my brain came up with this idea. Okay, so worrying. So a parent needs to be like a river guide. So have you ever been like on a white water rafting, okay? So this is life. And let's not lie. It is a big, crazy river ride. Like there are rapids and there are rocks and there are waterfalls and there is garbage going on. And yeah, sometimes on the river, you're going to go along peacefully. But you know there are always rapids coming up. All right, as parents, we need to be like the river guide. We need to say, yeah, there are rocks and rapids. And what you're going to do during this time is you're going to sit tight. You're going to paddle this way. You're going to paddle that way. I mean, I don't know everything about that river guides do. But we need to not act like the rapids are this crazy, horrible thing going on. They're life. Like, we are on the river of life. These, it's not weird to have problems. And too often as parents, we're like, oh my gosh, we're hitting the rapids. No, we are the river guide. We are chill, right? Chill is the number one thing. We are chill. We can handle this. So when there are crazy things going on, we are the chill parents who know what to do, who know where to paddle, because we have been on that river before. And even if we haven't hit those rapids before, we know what to do. And if we stop worrying, then we become better river guides. And what happens if you have a bad river guide? People go overboard. I was like, just thinking, if my river guide was panicking, right. oh, I would be a wreck. Right. And sometimes that's what we do as parents. Our kids come home with a totally normal problem. Like, life is meant to have problems, right? Like, it's so dumb that we act like it's not. Oh, you have problems. Whoa. So crazy. Oh, my goodness. What? You're a teenager and you got your feelings hurt? That has never happened before. Whoa, your friends were mean? Oh, like we act like this is like unheard of. <laughs> drama. <laughs> like we create all this drama. Whereas, um, duh, that's life. Like you're supposed to have really bad days. But if we can be chill and like, oh yeah, that happens. Okay, this is what we do. We paddle this way and that. And pretty soon we'll be through those rapids and we'll just be enjoying the clear waters again. Or we might have more rapids and you know what? We're fine because we got this. And that's sitting as parents, we have got this. And when we say that we don't, we're lying to ourselves because we have got this. You know the best for your kids. You know so much more about your kids than I do. Like you are the queen of knowing everything about your kids because you know them. I don't know them, but you know your stuff. And as soon as you get out of your own way, I'm not saying you or us, 
But as soon as we get out of our own way and tap into like what we actually know, we're like, oh yeah, I, I do. I can be a good rubber guy. I'm chill. We're chill. We're chill. We don't care about the rapids. We're chill. Let's just take a little break because we want to give you access to our most requested bonus episodes straight to your inbox. We have never shared these episodes before digitally. Michelle's famous talk, God is speaking to you. Do you hear him? And guess what? You also get Sarah's crucial talk called Satan is at the White. I'm just telling you, these are very good. <laughs> they are huge resources to give you a vision and confidence in making decisions with the Lord, which is what we're trying to do, right? Grab the bonus episodes now at thewomenwithfire.com slash bonus. Now back to the podcast. I am so glad I asked you this question. <laughs> what a highlight. I'm, I'm my mind is blown. Absolutely. And just the visualization of what happens in the boat when the river guide is a dud. Right. <laughs> yeah, know, if you're I'm, a panicking river guide, of course their skulls are going to crack, right? Yes. Oh, this is just killer information. This is going to change the world. This is going to change homes. This is going to save <laughs> lives. Like exactly what your goal is. This whole thing, just the river guide analogy is already doing that. Well, and see, you get good analogies when you stop worrying and just tell your brain to get to work. Tell your brain to get to work. Okay. Here, wait, one more tip on worrying. If you have a kid who's a worrier, give them a project to work on. Oh, there's nothing better. Like, Oh, my kids make movies and things like that. When they're working on a movie, they can't be worrying. Or, you know, if my daughter writes music, she would probably not be happy. I told you that, but you know, <laughs> someone needs to know. She writes a song every single day and does it on her guitar and makes up chords and everything. But that, when she writes that every day, that gives her brain something else to work on rather than worrying. Because our kids are worriers. They are. Wow. Most kids are, most of the teenagers are. And I think that's because they all have such a big role to play. And I mean, there's a lot of talk about anxiety these days and why is it happening more? And we blame it on smartphones. I actually really think it's Satan working harder. I really do. With the worrying and the discouragement and blocking uh, them from being able to progress and solve problems and make impact. Yes, I think that's Satan. That is because we know he loves to get into our heads. We know that. I think that's what's happening. Oh, one more thing. One more thing. Please. <laughs> I have so much to say. Please go. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, so when you hear a negative voice in your head telling you bad things about yourself, that's Satan. That's Satan. When you hear a voice saying, do this a little better. Try this. How about that? That's God. God never speaks to us in a negative way. He always speaks with encouragement, always, all the time. And is that why you are so committed to your method of parenting? Yes, absolutely. That's the foundation. Let's hear the voice of God. Let's hear the voice of God and not sing. Yeah, that was an aha moment for me right now on the air, people. Major <laughs> aha moment for me on where that foundation is of parenting. Wow. Well, Michelle, you are just, we, we're going to, like every week, let's just chat. Oh, wait, you're going to have a podcast. So you're going to be fine. Yep. You can hear wait, from Michelle. <laughs> there's one more thing I really want to share with you, though. Do it, please. Okay. So you asked me earlier about my book that was rejected, right? Yes and about our path in life. And, you know, another time we'll get on here and I'll give you this huge long list of failures. That's why I think it's so funny you think I'm so successful because, oh my goodness, my list of failures is miles long. So, and of course, you know, that book, failure, failure, failure. I can, I can name so many 
many failures. A few weeks ago, I was in California visiting my sister. And right now in California, they're having a super bloom. And I don't, are you familiar with oh, the, the orange flowers? Yes. Yes. Now here is the phenomena behind a super bloom. So they're in California, they're getting the most rain they've had in 25 years. And of course the hills are exploding into life. Now I want you to think about your own life. And for so many of us, we plant so many seeds over the years, so many, and it feels like they're going to waste. It Drought. feels like nothing is happening. It feels like you put in all this work and especially in mothering. I mean, how many years does it take just to teach a kid how to brush their teeth? Come on. Oh. Or to stop fighting? Huh? I had so many years. We plant so many seeds and it feels like nothing is happening. And then you see this super bloom that's happening in California right now. And every seed that has been under that soil for 25 years has exploded into life. And it is not millions of flowers. It is billions and billions. And I encourage, I'll send you some photos, but I encourage your listeners to look up photos of this. And I'm also going to say it is beyond our comprehension. And it is beyond our comprehension to know of our Father in Heaven's love for us and of the ways that He wants to bless us. When you look at those hills in California, it is like the earth just coughed up every beautiful thing. And it's mostly poppies, but there are billions of other wildflowers. And when I say billions, it is no exaggeration. It goes for miles and miles. You can see it from space. And that is our lives. Every seed we plant, it is going to come back, not just one, not just one fold. It's going to come back a thousand fold. Every single seed, every single act we do for good, our Father in heaven will magnify that. And we need to have faith during those dry years. And oh, I have had so many dry years. And I know your listeners have had dry years. And I pray for everyone going through a drought. But please know, not a single seed you've ever planted has gone to waste. And one of these days, you're going to see it explode in beauty beyond your comprehension. And I know that is true. I know that's true. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. Do you feel like you're seeing your own super bloom in many ways as your kids are getting older? I know that you're still in the process. I understand yeah. that. But you're uh, seeing visions of it. I will say, as, you, as my kids have gotten older, I get payback moments all the time all the time. Like right before I got on this podcast with you, they all sent me little texts saying, we're praying for you that you do well. They're really, really lovely people. They are. And it's fun just watching the people they've turned into. Wow. Well, I will never look at those photos of the super bloom the same ever, ever again. This is incredible to see the good. You're living what you preach. That's the most impressive (laughs) thing. Oh, sorry. The other thing with the super bloom is there is more than enough for all of us. And I believe with all my heart in that idea that a rising tide lifts all boats. When we help each other, we all grow. And, you know, that old idea that life is like a piece of pie and you better grab your piece, that is just completely ridiculous. And that is completely against all the principles of the gospel. There is more than enough for everyone. And the more we build, the better it gets like the law of consecration. Like sometimes you talk about the law of consecration, people are like, oh, it means we'll all be poor. I'm like, oh no, it means we will all be fabulously wealthy. Like crazy oh. time. <laughs> Once we stop fighting over things, oh my goodness. And we can I mean, finally work together. And the evidence of that is just in the world. And that's even with the world not working that well together, how much better is our quality of life than people even 20 years ago? Yes. Amen. And so it's obvious. And if we ever start to think of that grabbing a piece of the pie, we're just wrong. It's just totally wrong. When I help you, when you help me, when we help each other, we all do better. We should all be cheering for each other because your good is my good every single time, every single day. 
Oh, I feel like when Michelle and I, my business partner, started this podcast and we were trying to define the women with fire, this is what we meant. <laughs> this is what we meant. The working together, the making the world explode in incredible, positive, powerful, impactful ways. This is it. And you are such a huge part of that. Um, thank you for sharing your life. I just am so astonished. I know it takes blood, sweat, and tears. I know you sharing your failures as well as your remarkable people that you have raised is hard and time consuming and all those things. But man, it is creating such an impact. I am so grateful for all of your efforts. Thank you so much, Michelle. Well, you're so kind. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. This is amazing. So listeners, I know that you want to connect with her. So we've got to get you in touch um, with Michelle. The places that you can go, we will have these in the show notes, is scenesfromthewild.net. FYI, look at her rose garden as well. Her backyard is the coolest. <laughs> so go check out all those things and the podcast we encourage you to. And then as well, we want to make sure that you can connect with her big projects that are going on. So make sure that you go to um, on Instagram, build your teenager. She has just started that Instagram handle. And so we are going to flood it with a lot of people that are going to want to be part of this amazing movement. And then buildyourteenager.com is up and running. I mean, there is stuff you can participate in right now, which I'm excited for. I'm equally excited for the worrying class. I'm so on board. I'm so on board. <laughs> I'll get that going. I <laughs> promise to over deliver. I promise that. Oh, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. We've gotten a small taste of it here. Thank you so much for joining us on the Women With Fire podcast to make sure you keep in touch with Michelle as she changes the world. Thank you so much again, Michelle, for being with us. Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group, Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.